and amen. Brian. You know that, that one song that we just got through singing, uh, People Need the Lord. I mean, you understand that? People need the Lord. Because without the Lord, they have absolutely zero hope for eternity. Zero hope. My prayer is that as we, as we bless this offering and as you guys give and faithfully give, that we give not just to pay the bills, <laughs> not just to pay the bills, but the money that you give faithfully and lovingly goes out to spread the gospel, goes out to get people to hear the gospel, and that somehow God will use the money that you and I give to make sure that people who need the Lord are going to hear the Lord. That's why we give. That people that need the Lord can hear the gospel, the good news, from the way that you guys give every week. I'm going to ask Brian to bless this offering, please. Lord, we just agree with everything Pastor said already, Father, according to your word. We thank you, Lord, that as the giver has given and be given back to them, pressed down and shaken together yes. and running over, that all their needs, Father, be blessed, mm-hmm. be, yep. be met. But Lord, we're, I'm, I'm just thanking you, Lord, for the lives that this offering is going to touch, Lord mm-hmm. Jesus, as they mm-hmm. uh, are prepared by your spirit, Father, to hear mm-hmm. the good news that their sins are forgiven. They can receive forgiveness and be born again, be uh, brought back home to mm-hmm. fellowship in you, Father, through faith in Jesus Christ. So we thank you, mm-hmm. Lord. Uh, we just receive it and believe it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, bud. Mm-hmm. Uh, there goes the barracks. Good luck. <laughs> There's a whole parcel of them. <laughs> we'll be praying for you guys. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, we'll be in Ephesians 4 if you want to turn there. Ephesians 4. The title of the message is What Now After Revival? What Now After Revival? What do we do after we have experienced revival? Where do we, where do we go from here as, as, as Christians? And I hope during the revival that uh, it was a time for you that were able to come. It was a time of renewal and recommitment and rededication. I, I hope that's what happened for you. Uh, I know how God blessed during the revival. And today's message is I, I want to kind of piggyback, if you would let me, on what uh, Russell Duck preached on Monday. And if you'll remember Monday, he was in Revelation 2, 1 through 7, where he spoke about the church of Ephesus. And, and, and in, in Revelation 2, and, and Jesus is speaking during, during that time, he had some uh, really nice comments, if you would, about, about that church, about the church. If you remember in Revelation 2, as Jesus is speaking about the church of Ephesus, he, he said, you know, 
you guys have done a lot of great things. Your deeds are great. He said, you know, you have persevered in the faith. You have not backed down away from, from who you are in Christ. And he said, that's, that's a good thing. He said, you've even kind of, of, of looked at the prophets and the teachers and the preachers that would come to present in your church. And you faithfully made sure that they were preaching the right stuff, that they weren't preaching false doctrine or anything like that. And he said, you know, your service to your church is really, really good. And, and along those lines, I got to thinking, that's, you know, that, I, I kind of think in my personal opinion that that's kind of how uh, maybe that kind of represents you and I today here at Arapahoe. Do a lot of good stuff. Keeping the faith. Making sure that what is taught and preached is, is from God's Word. And, and I thought, you know, that's kind of that's like us. But if you remember the second part of that, where Jesus said to this church, he said, but I have one thing against you. I have just one thing against you. And he says, you have left your first love. You have first left your first love. And today's message is going to try to help us never to do that. Leave our first love. And leaving that first love talks about your love for Jesus. What would cause this church, this active, growing church, to leave their first love? To fall out of love, if you would, uh, of Jesus? What would cause something like that? Because they're cruising along pretty good. Jesus is happy with them. But what happened? What happened to the people of that church? And, and, and you take the people of the church and then you expand it to the church. Why would Jesus say you've lost your first love? Well, a couple of reasons, I think. I think. I think, you know, sometimes in life we just get busy. We just get busy doing our own thing and living our lives and living a good life. And sometimes we're just too busy and, and, and we kind of push our relationship with, with Jesus to the side sometimes. We don't mean to. We don't want to. Because, but we get busy and when things come up in our lives and, and, and our love in a sense kind of grows a little cold for him. Don't mean to, but it just seems to happen because of life. I think, I think that church began to, in a sense, compromise in their faith. They began to see how life was outside of the church. Uh, the, the, the pleasures and, and those kind of things that the world wants to bring into a, a person's life. And they got to looking at that and their love grows a little cold and they look at what's going on and go, that looks like fun to me. And they begin to kind of walk away from the, from, from, the, from the truth of the gospel and try to pursue the waywardness of the world. I believe that they got to the point in their lives where they cared more about what somebody else said about them than what God cared about them. What would God say about them? And how easy that is in, a, in the life of a person to, to all of a sudden think, 
I wonder what they're saying about me. As I, as I make this stand as a Christian, are they, hmm, well, I don't know really. I, I wonder what God thinks about me. And, and, and so many times, I just, we've got some uh, preachers back there. I think, you, I think we wonder sometimes, <laughs> what are they saying about the message? Instead of what, we're, what does God say about the message? You know, I think sometimes in that church, I believe uh, possessions and treasures and material kinds of things became more important to them. You see, they got to the point in their lives they wanted the gift and they began to shun the giver. And material things began to grab a hold of their lives because their relationship with Jesus had grown just a little bit cold. And they began to wander away. I believe they became... uh, self-centered we get that way we get that way where we think that we are pretty confident in our faith we're pretty confident in the way we live and as we get confidence in the way we live and not confidence in him but in confidence in us we become a little bit self-sufficient and when we become self-sufficient we almost kind of like I got this God (laughs) you ever been that I got this And we don't really depend upon him like we should because I got this, God. This is no big deal, God. And that self-assurance and that self-arrogance, that self-confidence begins to creep in. And when that creeps in, that begins to replace the love that we have for our Jesus. And then I think there was one more reason. I believe they became lovers of pleasure instead of lovers of God. And, and, and I don't point fingers at, th- at those kind of things or those, but how easy those things can come into a person's life that, that, that we kind of get used to maybe some of these worldly kind of things and we got to live in this old world and, 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 it, and they just kind of just, just gradually kind of take a hold of us. And, and, and we get away from reading our word like we should and, and maybe get away from coming to church as we should. And maybe we get away from just, just uh, loving on folks. And our love for him begins to grow cold. In that Ephesians church, I believe what happened was the culture began to change the church. As opposed to the church changing the culture. And do we not see that today? Do we not see that today? Churches, bodies of believers who were once strong in the faith now have this wokeness about them. And they're trying to figure out how can, how can this church, how can my church fit in with society? And we're going to water it down a little bit. We're going to compromise what we, what we preach just a little bit so that we'll get more people here. And all they're doing is compromising what they believe. I believe this church of Ephesus did the very same thing. They began to cater to society instead of really worrying about what God thinks about what's going on in their church. We must be careful about that at Arapahoe First Baptist Church that we never get like that. Well, how do we prevent it? How do we prevent... (laughs) 
this church right here from ending up like Ephesus, the church of Ephesus, where, where Jesus said, if you don't repent, your lampstand, the light of your lampstand will go out, which means your church will one day, if you don't do what I've asked you to do, your church will soon disappear. Your church soon will not ha- be able to open the doors because your light that you have for Christ is now gone. How do we prevent it? And that's where the message is supposed to go today. I hope it is. Uh, I've got three warnings. How do we prevent you and I after revival, after uh, spiritual high, if you would, how do we continue the course and prevent what happened to Church of Ephesus to happen to us? That will be the message. Ephesians 4. Uh, beginning in 17, 18, 19, 20. Let's read those here real quick, okay? So this I say and affirm together with the Lord. So I'm saying it, but uh, God is, God's agreeing with what I got to say to you, okay? He says that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles walk. And that word Gentiles refers to unbelievers, people who have never accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. In the futility of their minds, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their hearts, and they, having become calloused, have given themselves over, over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity and greediness." But you did not learn Christ in this way. I mean, we see the first thing that Paul is trying to tell these believers. Tell his church here. He said, I'm reminding you, church, that you are not to go back to that old lifestyle. You are not to go back to the the lifestyle of being an unbeliever. Paul's saying you have, you have been brought out of the darkness of sin and that sinful life. And he said you've been brought into the light of the gospel. You've been brought into the light of Jesus Christ. And you have been changed for eternity. He says don't go back there. Don't even think about going back there. Paul tells us in Ephesians 1, he says, this is who you are in Christ. Don't ever forget this. He says in, in, in chapter 1, he says you... Christian friend, you were chosen before the foundation of the world. Don't ever forget that, Christian. Christian friend, you have been adopted into the family of God. You've got a family that is a spiritual, godly family, and that's where you belong, is in a godly family. You've been adopted into that. You have been redeemed By the blood of Jesus, Christian, don't ever forget that. You've been redeemed with what Christ did on a cross and the grace of God. He said, you have been forgiven, Christian. You have been cleansed from all of your sin because of what Jesus did on a cross. Don't ever forget that, Christian. You are forgiven now and forever and forever. Why would you ever want to go back to something like that? He says... You have been given every spiritual blessing that you'll ever need. Every spiritual blessing 
We don't need any more spiritual blessings because he has given those already to us. And he's giving those to us. And then it says, you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. Being sealed says, the Holy Spirit is your down payment. Having the Holy Spirit in your life is proof positive that you have been born again. What greater gift could he have given to us besides salvation than to give us a Holy Spirit that leads us and directs us and teaches us truth and convicts us of our sins? Paul's saying, Christian, 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 remember who you are. And don't ever, ever, ever go back to that lifestyle because that's not who you are. Don't ever allow yourself to let your first love grow cold because you've been changed from the inside out. You are a new creation, Christian. The old is gone. The new has come, the Bible says. Stay that way. Don't allow the enemy to pull you away from what you know is correct. Don't let him pull you away from the, from the truth of the gospel. Because it can happen easily if you're not ready for it. In those verses, Paul tells us, gives us a picture of and reminds us of what the life of an unbeliever looks like. This is what those folks that have rejected Christ look like. And as I go through this list, we see this list every day in this woke society. We see it every day. We see this mindset. And look what he says in verse 1 about about those folks who reject Christ, the Gentiles in, in that verse who are unbelievers. He says one of the first things he said, he says, they walk in the futility of their minds the futility of their minds you see an unbeliever pushes the things of God out of their minds they have no thoughts for God they don't want to have anything to do with God and when they push those kind of thoughts for God and they no longer exist in their minds all that is being fed to them if you would is worldly ideas and worldly temptations and a world perspective on everything in life because there's no God thoughts in there and Paul would say that's the futility of their minds the second thing we see there along those verses he said they are darkened in their understanding those unbelievers they've been blinded from the gospel they've been blinded from the gospel they don't want to hear the gospel 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, The words of the cross are foolishness for those who are perishing. You see, that unbeliever, that person who doesn't want anything to do with Christ, he didn't want to hear the gospel. It's just foolishness to him. Why would anybody crawl up on a cross in a cross? And that can save somebody? They want nothing to do with that. You see, the next thing here, they excluded from the life of God. These folks are spiritually dead. And they will be separated from God now and for an eternity. Not that God's mad at them. Not that God wants them to go there. But you and I know, both know that for the unbeliever, they have rejected Christ. 
we have a choice in life, do we not? We all have choices. We all have roads to take, and there's one or two roads that we can take. One, one is down the road of Christ, and one is away from Christ. These folks will be excluded from the life of God. Then you see there, for the unbeliever, their hearts become hardened, and their hearts become callous. They have rejected the Lord so much. There will be people in churches all over in America that the Holy Spirit has been trying to get a hold of every Sunday. And every Sunday they go, they reject that calling, that pull, that conviction. And, and, and they don't come and, and do what God has asked them to do. And the more times they reject Christ sitting in a church building or outside, the heart gets a little hardened. And as the heart gets a little hardened, they lose their consciousness for sin. They become callous. Sin no longer affects them. Doing wrong no longer affects them. And we see people all over this world are just like that, aren't they? Their hearts are hardened or they're calloused and and they don't care if they do right or wrong because wrong means nothing to them. And Paul would say, why would you ever want to go back to that? The last one there, it says, they give themselves over to sensuality. They live dirty, immoral, unclean lives. Pornography rages in our country. Sleeping with as many folks as you can is okay anymore, they say. And these people are are pursuing those kinds of things in their life because they have rejected Christ. And Paul says, that's what they pursue in life, are those things. And Paul is reminding them, I think, don't ever go back. That's who you used to be in your life. Why would you ever want to go back to that lifestyle? But yet people do all the time. They accept Christ and they walk with Christ for a little while and then things happen and they begin to walk away from Christ. And their love grows cold. And they leave their first love of loving on, on, on Jesus. And they go back to the world from where they came from. Paul says, don't ever do that. And, you know, as I was thinking about that list and looking at that list, you know, it's amazing to me that, you know, Paul would have written that about 2,000 years ago, maybe a little bit further. And you look at that list and you see people today. Sin back then... It's the same as sin today. Did you know it? I mean, every one of those, you can just turn on the tube and you'll see that kind of sin happening right now. Why is that? Well, let me tell you why. (laughs) The devil has three bullets in his gun. Did you know it? He only has three bullets. That's all he's got. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And if you look at that list, that list will fall under one of those three. The sins you deal with today falls under one of those three. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Sin has not changed in thousands of years. It's the same sin, the same consequences, and the same solution for it has never changed, and it will never change. Hallelujah. It will never change. 
And then verse 20 and 21, Paul reminds them, you didn't learn Christ this way. That's not who you are. You're different, Christian. You're a different Christian. You are new from the inside out. You didn't learn him that way. That's not what I taught you. Never wander back into that lifestyle. Because one is life in Christ. And one is death in the worldly living. Physical and spiritual. So what are we supposed to do? Here are three things I want to give to you quickly, I hope. About you, what you and I can do after revival. <laughs> what you and I can do to safeguard your life and my life and the life of this church that we never grow cold in our love for the Lord, that we never leave our first love. And that's, that's, the, that's the, the gist of the message. How can we prevent that in our personal lives and the lives of Arapaho First Baptist Church? Well, let's look here real quickly, I hope. Well, we look at verse 22. The first thing he tells us to do is to lay aside our old self. Lay aside our old self. Our old self is the sinful nature that we had before we became a believer. Before we were a believer, we have this central, uh, uh, sinful nature that has been passed down to generations through Adam. And we've all got it, sinful nature. And he says, you know, the first thing I'm going to tell you is lay that sinful nature down. That old man, that old sinful, lay it down, get rid of it. And there's, it's a picture of, of when you get up in the morning <laughs> and, and you crawl out of that bed and, and you know you got to get your day going and, and you take those pajamas off and you, and you like, like I would never do this, but I know some of you do, take the pajamas off and throw them on the floor and leave them there. Okay, he said, he said just throw them down and just leave them there. And then you put on your clothes that you're going to wear for today, whatever that might be. And he said, that is the picture of laying aside your old self. Take off that old sinful nature, put it down, throw it down. And I hate to say this, leave it there. I would never do that, but I know you do. Leave it there and put on a new self. You see, that old self was a self that pursued sin. Pursued sin, loved sin, enjoyed sin, wanted to be a, have a huge part of your life. And yet Paul says in, in, in Ephesians 3, he said, that lifestyle is nothing but a child of wrath. He said, that's a child of wrath when you do that. And he says, that's not you, Christian. We need to take off, Christian, that old sinful nature because that is not you. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says it this way. He says, a natural man, that is an unbeliever, who carries on with this old self, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. Christian, you're not spiritually appraised. Christian, you can understand the gospel. Lay off that old self. Get rid of that sinful nature. Don't be like them, he would say. Christians, we have been crucified with Christ. Did you know that? And that, and that worldly selfishness has been crucified with Christ. 
Our sins, the Bible tells us, we are dead to. Being dead means they are buried and they are gone. Never to come back again, if you would. That's who we are as Christians. Lay aside the old self. Galatians 2.20 says it this way. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, by faith I live according to, Jesus, to, to Christ, who loves me and gave himself up for me. Can you believe that? Our stuff has been crucified. Lay down that old self. That's not who you are. You are chosen and redeemed. You want to live a victorious life, Christian? You want to live a victorious life? He says the first thing you got to do is lay down that old self. That old sinful nature, lay her down, leave her there. Don't ever pick it up again. And if you'll do that, that is the first step of preventing you personally and as a church to let your love grow cold for the Lord. Second thing he tells us in verse 23. He says, to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Renew your mind. Colossians 3, 2 and 3 says it this way about renewing. He says, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died, and I put in there parentheses, to sin. And your life is hidden in Christ, with Christ in God. Set your mind on the things above. To renew your mind means to change the way you think. And did you know the way you think causes you to act upon those kind of things that you think? Yeah, I'm thinking, you'll do what you think most of the time, will you not? And he says, you need to be renewed in your mind. You need to be changed in your mind. You need to be transformed from thinking about that old self to thinking about that new self, which we'll talk about in just a second. That new new self is that new life in Christ that he has given to us. You know, that's hard to do in the day, in the world that we live in. Did you know it? It's hard to do to transform your mind, to change your mind. Why is that? Because you go listen to the radio. You're just driving down the road, turn the radio on. What do you hear? Not the, If you're listening to news and that kind of stuff, you're hearing garbage a lot of times. Okay. You're, you're just having a conversation with a friend of yours or a buddy of yours and, and, and the profanity just flows out of their mouth like nobody's business. And you have to sit there and listen to it, I guess. And you hear this negativity and, and all the time that stuff is going here in you, Christian. It's hard to renew your mind. You watch the news I'd suggest maybe not. Because <laughs> you're hearing a lot of garbage, aren't you? You're hearing a lot of stuff that is world view and not biblical view. Get on social media and see what you see. I was talking to a, a lady just this week. And she was telling me, ah, my daughter, she didn't have much to do at one day. And she said, she came to me and said, mom, mom. I've been on social media for seven hours today. And I would suggest to you seven hours of nothing biblically connected. 
And can you imagine pouring that stuff into your mind hour after hour? We will be transformed Christian in our mind. Set our minds on things above. Seven hours on that, and that stuff can't be good for you. Newspapers, TVs, movies, all of those things. As, as we watch them and as we listen and we see, 99.9% of that stuff has no biblical value. It has all but worldly value. And those things that we listen to and we hear, most of them have one objective in, in advertising that we want to listen to. And all they're trying to do is to tell you that you want happiness, you want fulfillment, you want an abundant life, then you need to buy this product. You need to listen to this. And they won't ever tell you that joy and happiness and fulfillment comes in relationship with Jesus Christ. That never happens unless you've turned it on the Christian station, which I hope you do. You see, we're bombarded daily with junk. Stinking thinking is what you would call it. Okay? And the Bible says you've got to be renewed in your mind. Set your mind. Well, how do we do that? How do we, how do we set our minds on that? I'm here to tell you we've got to get in God's Word. We've got to be in God's Word daily. How, you've heard me say it probably at least once in the last four and a half years. You've got to read His Word constantly, consistently, and be obedient to it. Because if, if you don't put God's Word here, it will never flesh out there. If you don't put it in here, the enemy's going to put something else in here. You've got to read His Word daily. You've got to saturate your mind. You've got to, like I read in Psalm, Psalm 1, you've got to meditate on it daily. You've got to delight in reading His Word. Because if you're not, you're going to be reading something else. I believe you, 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 you renew your mind by consistently coming to church. Consistently being in Bible study. Consistently learning about what's in God's Word. Filling your heart and your mind with God's Word. I believe listening to Christian music is filling your minds. Singing those kind of praises. You know, maybe, maybe turn the honky-tonk tunes off. And maybe turn on the radio where, where it speaks and sings about our Lord and Savior. I can tell you that will change your mindset just doing that as you're cruising around Main Street someday. Listening to the gospel. Reading books that have a biblical theme. Instead of reading books that have a theme of adultery and, and, and fornication and living the good life. Maybe read a book that, besides the Bible, that has a Christian theme putting your mind in it. You know, there's no shortcuts to renew your mind. There's no magic bullet to read in your mind. You must fill your mind with the good stuff of the gospel. And if you don't, the enemy will fill it with something else. And then you'll never renew your mind. I would suggest to you probably the church at Ephesians, those folks probably stopped renewing their minds. And as the, the people of the church did not do it, then the church as a whole did not do it. And they lost the light of their lampstand. And the church has disappeared. You want to hold on to your first love? I would suggest to you that you, 
that, that you hang on to the Lord. Renew your minds daily. And the third thing, real quickly, we see it in the next verse. Verse 24, put on the new self. Put on the new self. You have gotten rid of the old self, sinful nature, put on the new. Put on, put on the spiritual gospel in your life, your new self. I mean, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says what? Anybody is in Christ, you are a new creation. The old is gone. The new is here. That's who you are in Christ. You are dead to your sins with this new self. I'm just here to tell you. You will replace your sinful ways with godly ways. You will begin to live the, the life when you got saved, when you put on this new self, God gave you. Did you know? And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. He gave you a new passion, a new priority, a new purpose, and a new plan for your life. Don't go back to the old way of life because that's what he's given to you. And when we put on this new self of righteousness that, that God has given to us through his son, Jesus, I can promise you when you read the word, It'll be different to you. You'll begin to see things that the Holy Spirit brings to you. You'll, you'll begin to go, I, I need to read that again today. You'll begin to have a new love for people. A new love for your family members. A new love for people that dis, disagree with you. You'll have a new love for mankind because you will now begin to see people the way God sees people. That those are my children or those are sinners who need a savior my son and as we put on this new self we begin to look differently we see people differently and we have a passion now for people we have a new perspective on sin we have a new per perspective on sin because now as we put on this new self we understand how much God hates sin Understand how much he hates it because he had to send his son to die on a cross to solve that issue. He hates sin. And because we have put on the new self, we understand that. And we put on this new self and we don't want to be a person who pursues sin anymore because we know holy God hates it, does not want us to dabble in that. The sin that we once loved, we now detest. The sin that we once held on to, we can't get rid of it fast enough because of the new sin. I believe Paul wanted those, that church members to understand what it meant to put on a new self. In the closing of, of chapter 4, he, he contrasts the old self and the new self, and then I'm about done. In Ephesians 4, 31, it says this. This is your old self. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. I mean, those aren't very nice things to have, are they? I mean, being bitter at people all the time, wanting people to have bad luck talking about them and making fun of who they are 
That's your old self, Paul would say. That's been buried. That's gone. Don't go back to it. But then the new self. Be kind one to another. Tenderhearted. Forgiving each other. Just as God has forgiven you. In Christ's sake. See, that's the new self. We go from bitterness to love. And I'm here to tell you. I'm here to tell you, if you will do those three things, lay aside your old self, daily renew your mind, put on the new garment of righteousness and live it every day. You will never walk away from your first love and that first love is your relationship with Jesus. And if individuals will not do that, this church will not leave our first love. That's a biggie. That's a biggie. Satan would love nothing more to ruin your testimony and ruin your witness and to ruin your life if you had a chance. He'll do everything he can to make sure you hold on to that old self. He wants you to hold on to that. Just compromise just a little bit, Don. Compromise. He'll do everything in his power to keep you from renewing your mind, setting your mind on the things above. He'll, he'll do everything. He'll bring so much stuff into your life that, that it's not a bad thing that you think, and he'll tell you it's not. He didn't want you renewing your mind. He wants to control your mind. And he'll do everything in his power to keep you from putting on the new garment of new self putting on the garment of righteousness, putting on the garment that says, I want to walk in a manner worthy of the calling of Christ Jesus. He's going to do everything he can to stop you from doing that because his motive is to do what? To keep you from loving your first love of Jesus. As we move past revival, I believe that is a warning to us as a church that we must be on guard for the, for the darts and the arrows of the enemy. And we must walk the walk and never go back to, to verses 17 through 19. Never go back there because that's not who you are. Christian, my, my prayer for you is you will fight the good fight. You will finish the course and you'll keep the faith. And one day, one day, as you see your Lord and Savior face to face, number one, what a glorious day that's going to be. I get to see my Savior face to face. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You fought the good fight, you finished the course, and you kept the faith. Let's pray. There's his word spoken to you. I hope this encourages you. I hope it warns you. If you're hanging on to that old self that he said put away and bury it and never pick it up, let me tell you what you need to do. 